Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to a Mouse Clubhouse conversation. Hi, this is Scott Wolf, and this conversation is with Jim Adams and Don Payne. Both Jim and Don were part of the historic Golden Horseshoe Review stage show at Disneyland and a role made famous by the legendary Disney performer Wally Bogue. I've had many people tell me over the years that they remember seeing Wally Bogue in the show, with his famous routine of being hit and spitting out his teeth, which in reality were beans. But it may not have always been Wally they were watching, because there were subs for Wally and the other main stars of the show as well, particularly when Disneyland began operating seven days a week. Jim Adams started subbing for Wally in the show in 1970, and Don Payne began subbing for both Wally and Jim in 1977. In addition to the main show, both Jim and Don also performed the Mountain Man character, doing ventriloquism with the puppet Claude Dog that you'll hear about in this upcoming conversation. Both Don and Jim were involved in all kinds of Disneyland entertainment. Jim, for example, emceed and performed in a show called The Baby Animal Show at Carnation Plaza Gardens during the State Fair theme at Disneyland. The show featured Mickey, Goofy, Donald, and Chippendale as animal trainers doing their acts on stage, but you never knew what was going to happen because the show had real animals and they were very unpredictable. In that show, Jim sang, danced, and even did ventriloquism with his own character, The Professor, who he stayed with long after his Disneyland days. Jim also played father music in a show I've long been fascinated with called Fun with Music in the original Fantasyland Theater in Disneyland. Some of the best in Disneyland Entertainment were involved in this educational show, which was made just for students. Only lucky classes on a field trip got to experience the show. It was never seen by the public. Jim, Don, and Wally Bogue all performed in a Main Street Town Meeting event, which was held on the steps of Disneyland City Hall. But Jim and Don were not just involved in performing, but in writing shows for Disneyland as well, such as the great annual Easter Walking Race, which they not only wrote and performed in, but they directed as well. Don got to act as narrator for various special events, such as Festival Japan and Festival Mexico, often narrating the parades from the roof of the Alice in Wonderland attraction. And both Jim and Don got to make some park-wide announcements live when there weren't necessary recordings from Disneyland's legendary park announcer, Jack Wagner. A lesser-known part of Disneyland Entertainment were the promotional tours for Buena Vista Entertainment that you'll hear about in this conversation. Usually working with Fulton Burley or Wally, they would travel the country promoting the latest upcoming Disney theatrical releases or re-releases. That was long before the days of Disney Home Video, back when the only way to see favorite Disney movies was when they were re-released in theaters every few years. In this conversation from 2008, I began by asking Jim how he got his start at Disneyland. Here's Jim Adams and Don Payne. I saw The Golden Horseshoe when I was five years old, and I told my parents I'm going to do that show. And... Every other vacation, we'd come back, and of course, I'd see that show again. And when I was about to graduate high school in 69, I told my folks, well, you know, as soon as I graduate, I'm going to Disneyland to, to do that show. And they go, you're still serious about that? We can't believe that, you know? And I go, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And I, I wrote, I'd done several shows in Tucson, and I wrote Disney and told them, here's my, here's my resume, I'm going to come and do the Golden Horseshoe, you know? And they sent me back what I now know was a form letter saying, sure, but uh, we don't hire except within a 50-mile radius, and thank you very much, and should you move, or whatever like that. And so I told my folks, I go, I got the job. And they go, what are you talking about? I says, they said if I move within 50 miles, that they go, no, no, this is a form. And, I, and they had me go to our pastor and everything else, you know, and they all tell me, no, 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 they go, I'm going, you know. So my dad followed me. 
you know, because he thought, where is he? I was 19 years old, you know. And I drove there and uh, got a room in a house a few blocks away. And, and then I walked into the, the, the um, administration building. Mm -hmm. And all these people were sitting there filling out applications. Mm -hmm. And I never filled out an application for employment at Disney. I don't know if I was ever officially there. But anyway, I walked up to the secretary with this letter, this form letter, laid it down. I go, there's my letter. I want my job. And she goes, what? You know? And I says, well, I'm from Tucson, Arizona, and it says here that if I was in 50 miles of that they would hire me, you know? And the people in the, in, in the room started snickering at me, you know? Really? And she goes, you moved here on the basis of this letter? And I said, yeah, you know? And she goes, wait right there, you know? And she goes around the corner and talks to one of the interviewers, and, and it was a guy that I think is, is well-known at Disney. He had white hair. And all I saw was his head come around and him peeking around the corner at me, you know. And then he goes back, you know. And then finally he comes out and he goes, Mr. Adams, he goes, you came here on the basis of this letter? I go, yeah, it says here. If I were and I think he looked at the letter and realized you could sort of interpret it that way. So he goes, come here, you know. Mm -hmm. So I went through the door and I turned around. All these people were snickering at me, kind of gave him like this <laughs> look, you know. And went back into his room and he sat there. And I remember he just kept going... Like this over his shoulders, like this, you know, because he couldn't believe that I'd moved to Tucson. And I says, "Yeah, and I'm going to do the horseshoe show and all that." And and uh, then he takes me upstairs to a man named Alex Goldstab, who was Gold with a B, Stab. I'm sorry. Yeah. Who was in charge of the character department? And he brings me up and he goes, "Alex," he says, "This is Jim Adams. Uh, he moved here on the basis of this letter." And he says, "I thought maybe you could use him." And he walks out, and Alex is literally going, uh, "Bob, Bob, Bob, Bob," like this, you know. And all of a sudden, he's he can't get him back, and I'm sitting there grinning at him, going, "Hi," you know, like, this country boy from Tucson, you know. Oh, and he goes, "Well," he says, um, "He says, I'll tell you what." And I said, I got all my clippings and everything, you know. And he says, I'll tell you what. He says, uh, we're having auditions this weekend for the Christmas parade, you know. And uh, he says, maybe you can get in there. And he says, just tell him my name that I told you to come, you know. So I came. Barnett Ritchie was there doing the, the auditions. And I could tumble because I was a gymnast. And, and she wanted tumbling monkeys for, to break out of the, uh, the, the Dumbo unit they had the actual, looked like the same train cars on the, the Dumbo Circus mm -hmm. train ride. They wanted to have these monkeys in the cages, and then they break out and start tumbling down the street. And I got the job, because I could tumble, you know. <laughs> well, in the meantime, I'm bugging all the people there, and kept bugging Alex Goldstep, and, and before I knew it, I got hired, and went right into uh, King Louie, from, from chimpanzee to orangutan. And... That's when I thought, okay, now how do I get into the horseshoe, you know? <laughs> and uh, so I literally, on my break, because uh, our break area was in the same area where Wally's dressing room was. Oh. I found that out. I go, oh, okay, you know? So here I am, all sweaty, in, in eight feet, and I go up and I knock <laughs> on his door, and he opens the door and goes, yeah? And I go, hi, I'm Jim Adams. I want to <laughs> do what you do, you know? And he goes, really? <laughs> you know? And he didn't slam the door in my face. Yeah. He just well, come on in. What's your name? You know, and I'm. I, I see. I. I think back now, and I go. I wouldn't have the courage to do that now at this age. You know, to go to like Wally Bogue and just yeah. knock on his door and say, you know. And the other thing is, what a comment is about his character that he didn't just slam sort of get out of here. You know, he did, he brought me into the room. You know, wow. and he goes. So he says, you have an act, and I says, what's an act? You know, and he goes, you gotta have an act. You know, and I go. 
well, I was just going to do what you do. And he goes, he says, that's my act, you know. <laughs> and, I, and I just kept bugging him, and he helped me with the act, you know. But then he liked me, and he was working on uh, um, some other shows that he needed actors for. And he put me into some of those shows and, and got Within to know the me. Park? Yeah, the yeah. Uh, what he would do was they had a thing called the Disneyland Drama Workshop then. And he used them once in a while to put together a show. We would present it in the Fantasyland, the old Fantasyland Theater, and he would show supervision the show that way without spending any money. Hmm. You know, because it was a club. It was a Disneyland Workshop club. Uh. Everybody was volunteering, you know. And, and he kind of liked what he saw when I did those shows for him. One was called Chicken Ranching for Fun and Profit. Uh, and the other one was um, Tale of the West. Tale of the West. Huh. And I have posters and everything. He, he really? printed up posters and everything. And I have a videotape that I'll, I'll get you of wow. that. Um, if I can find that. i got to find that. But it was a rehearsal. Hmm. But... Um, did the public see it, or it was just for the Disney Well, eventually the public did see Chicken Ranching, because the supervision saw that, they go, we like it, and they wanted to put it in the horseshoe at night. Oh, but for some reason, it only ran for a few months, and it was canceled. Then Wally was going to uh, Florida, to, to open up Florida, and Bert Henry, of course, was Wally's sub. And during that time, Bert Henry, Fulton Burley, and Jerry King really took an interest in me, and finished the work that Wally did in developing, and I became basically Bert Henry's sub. And then when Wally came back three years later, Bert Henry went to Florida, and I became once again Wally's sub. Now, did you audition? You never auditioned. I right? never auditioned. Wow. See, and that's the thing is, Sonny, I don't, I, I, to this day, I don't know if Sonny even likes me that much because <laughs> I kind of got in that part with ever, without ever auditioning or anything. Wally just put me in the show. You know, he had that power. And um, so then I just started being his sub. And the funny thing is, is I was still officially registered in the character department, but here I was doing this show. And there was times, there was a few times when I was running around in the costume, and they'd come running up to me and go, you got to get out of that costume, get cleaned up, and get into your costume because Wally has to go and you're going to go do the horseshoe show. Oh, you know, wow. there was a few, that was a short time, it was a period about a, about a year where, where I could be doing either one. I didn't know which one I was going to be doing, you know. And then eventually they just said, well, this guy is an entertainer, so they put me in the entertainment department. Now, Wally had been doing the show for so long that he'd find any excuse not to be there. Now, what year was it? When did you start doing the show? I started, I, I, the first time I did it was 1970. And I'd be doing it <coughs> off and on, you know. And, and, uh, but I, I don't know that I was ever listed officially as Wally's sub till he came back from Florida. At some point, they realized, well, this guy works way more in entertainment than he does in the character department. And so they had me, they just officially put me in. It took them, it, it bugged me, because I just thought, I'm not in the character department, really. I'm still, I'm doing entertainment. I was doing tours. I did all these tours as an entertainer. I didn't do any tour as a character. I did them all as, as an entertainer. Really? Yeah. Fulton, Fulton um, would request me. Uh, like the Pinocchio tour, I played a gypsy. And he and I would do just old vaudeville routines while the characters would change. And these were in malls or well, you or any, any of that? They put you on Walt's plane. They would fly you to a major city. In the morning, you'd do ABC, NBC, CBS talk shows. Of the same, oh, okay. Of that city. Oh, several Sh in a day. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you, 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 oh, Chicago, you went day to night. You even, and, you, oh, wow. and you'd do radio programs, too. Right. 
and yeah. and you do malls and schools and hospitals and you'd want to hit even you, hospitals and everything really oh but see that was a neat thing is you do that in the afternoon you yeah. go in the morning you do ABC NBC CBS in Chicago New York or wherever you were you do radio and then to promote to promote the movie the promoting the movie yeah. Pinocchio was coming out yeah. you know because there was no VCRs in those days it was yeah. coming out in the theaters and um, and then you'd uh, in the afternoon you'd do a huge show in a mall. On, on their stages and stuff, and then also you'd tour hospitals and stuff like that. And that was just goodwill work, right? The hospitals. Just, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, just you're, promo right? you're promoting the the product. Yeah. You're in the characters and all like that, but you're, yeah, you're there to but do when touch you went, bases with the kids, and you do parades. When you went to the hospital, you were just to entertain the kids. Right. You were there to entertain the kids. But sometimes media would follow you, or there'd be there. Oh, really? But it's not. That wasn't the point of it. No, it was just charitable. One, one question about with Wally. Did Wally? He wouldn't want to do those tours. Is that why? Full oh, Wally did them. Yeah, he, he did the Jungle Book tour. Oh, uh, it's just that. Um, I, I. It just seemed like it, it. It just for some reason it just went to Fulton most of the time. Fulton. Well, he requested me for Pinocchio. And I actually, he requested me for all of them. He requested me for the Cinderella tour, Pinocchio tour, and the Robin Hood tour. Uh, we had a lot of fun, you know. It was just, it's like we were saying earlier, <clears throat> he was always on for the whole tour. He was entertaining on the plane, the whole flight on the plane, entertaining on the car to the hotel, and, and then he'd go into the bar of the hotel and entertain people there all night. <laughs> uh, he, he never slept. You couldn't understand how he would have any strength. No off switch. He, wow. he had no off switch. And then he's entertaining you in the limousine going to the TV show. Then he entertains everybody in the TV show before we go on the air. Then he, he's the same way on the air. And then we go to the radio program. Then on the way to the mall, he's got you cracking up. You get to the mall. You'd be exhausted from laughing, you know. And this would be a month-long tour. You hit a different city every day of the month. And wow. he was never off. He was never off. But he wasn't annoying, was he? Not at all. Some Hold people, no. That, that's the thing is, some people they're on all the time. No. So just stop. And I always get the impression everybody. No. He was a joy to be around. Him. Mm -hmm. He was an energizer. Some people you enter, they enter a room and they just suck the energy out of the room. You know, they're yeah. downers. Yeah. This guy was the other way. He'd, He'd lock in. Reason. The things would get lighter, brighter, funnier, happier. Wow. He was never obnoxious. He was never intrusive. Wow. Um, and he would. He would. I think I said this in the in the thing. He would entertain the janitor at the at, at the hospital. You know, well, he was never off. He he would, and then he would be performing for me backstage, and you'd think he was done. And I think I said in this thing, all of a sudden you hear him talking to somebody else, and you didn't realize somebody else in the room, and he's, he's over there talking to a mannequin hmm. just to entertain you. You know, he entertained and, in bathrooms. No <laughs> lie. Really? No lie. Oh, we no. went to a bathroom. It was a hotel in New Orleans. And we were on the way out, and everyone had used the restroom. So we all took a restroom break. And there's four of us in the cast lined up where guys line up. Fulton goes into a stall. <laughs> you know what's coming. He's famous for this. All of a sudden, you hear the toilet fl fall. Thumb, 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 bang! And you hear out of the thing. Everybody in the whole place is cracking up. You're, 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 you're trying to go to the bathroom and you can't, you know, because he's doing the. You're laughing. You're exhausted at the end of the day. You go into your hotel room and collapse. And in the morning, you're exhausted. You get up and here's Fulton entertaining in the little elevator on the way down, you know. But the thing is, it was all genuinely funny. Yeah. And it was. And LAX going outbound. And in those two, this again. Well, every 20, 30 feet, they had these stainless steel cigarette 
the ashtrays hanging on the wall yeah. in those days. Yeah. So we're all walking and talking, and all of a sudden we hear this, ah, ah, and I turn around, Fulton's got his hand caught in one of these things. We laughed so I thought they were going to score us out of the <laughs> dying. And See, that's the thing. way he did it, his body language, yeah. the sound effects, the personnel, oh. and all these strangers who don't even know it. First it would look like, oh, this man's crazy, and then they get tickled, and he had the whole place laughing. Oh. He would take things to the edge. He just knew how to do things, you know. And see, it's, it's, I think it's be hard to believe that it wouldn't get annoying, but it never was. Never did. He, he was a, he was a joy to be around. He was a gentleman. He was just an absolute joy to be around. The man was a gentleman, down to his socks, and he taught me more on those tours. Than my parents did in 25 years. <laughs> Little things. I mean, uh, I think I wrote it in a tribute to him when he passed it. Uh, he taught me the joys of eating escargot, even something like that. I mean, he talked me into trying this stuff. Really? Huh. He he just he was a teacher. He, that's the thing. He would teach. When, when we did the Pinocchio tour, I was yeah. very inexperienced, and we got into this first show in a major city when we were on a huge stage, and I mean there was thousands of people out there, and we had rehearsed you know and so when I came out on stage I was gonna do the show the way we rehearsed I didn't have the brains then yet or the experience to realize this is a crazy situation because they're all screaming you know and um, he had he had a mic and and he screamed out his straight line for my joke and I just did the joke and and he just looks at me and goes no, no, Jimmy, you know, and he grabs me by the throat, pulls me in close to the mic, like this, you know, and I'm going, and he goes, scream, you know, and I screamed the line into the microphone because that's the only way they could hear us, you know, oh, oh. and because they were, it was like a Beatles thing because Mickey Mouse is there and all, you know, they're going oh. berserk, you know, wow. and then I realized, man, you've got to be ready to adapt, you know. <laughs> we had a 30-minute script and you'd walk into a studio and they say, we're running late, we only have two minutes. And all of a sudden, you're with him, and you got to follow him because you got to cut this down. You got to cut 30 minutes down to two minutes. And he could do and, it like. And, and he could do it, and, and wow. but you had to be ready to go with him, you know. So man, you learned fast. He was Ooh. very kind and nurturing. He, uh, I did uh, Jiminy Cricket's voice in uh, the Pinocchio tour that followed his. They used to do the releases every seven every years. seven years. <laughs> and I had to talk and sing like Jiminy Cricket, and he he kept giving me little tips and whatnot. And I forget where we were. They were trying out the show. I think it was a. I think it was. I can't remember where. Oh, it was Fantasyland Theater. It was Fantasy. And he brought this guy from the studios in, and he brought him up on stage, and he introduced me, and he says, "You need to listen to this guy. He says he can sing like Cliff Edwards." And the guy stood. And he came back after the show. And he says, "Really good. We'll be in touch." Never heard nothing. But honestly, Fulton arranged for that guy to come down, and and introduce them to me, which I thought. Why would Fulton bother with something like that? I'm a, I'm a nothing in his universe. Hmm. I mean, but that's the kind of guy he was. He was a, he was a nurtured and an, uh, I, that touched me. I mean, I'll always remember that. He didn't see he didn't see a class of people. No. He would talk to uh, the cameraman in the TV studio as much as the producer. You know, hmm. he just and he is indescribable. You, the only way is is to, for you to see the videos. And when you see him on stage. Oh. That was him all the time. All you know? the time. Now I never, I never went to his house. I never saw him around family or anything. It was always at work. I don't think any of us did. And 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 I think he liked to keep that personal. I think he liked. So I don't know what he was like then, but what you saw on stage was the Fulton Burley we knew. Hmm. And I mean, 
He's backstage cracking you up. He'll all of a sudden. I mean, you're sitting backstage, and uh, uh, um, I think I'd, I was saying that my typical day was I'd come to work and I'd get backstage as soon as possible because I knew Fulton would be entertaining, you know. Mm -hmm. And and we'd be talking. Maybe we'd talk, be talking calmly for one strange moment, you know. Okay. And all of a sudden, the chair goes back and he's up and he's doing these these things that he'd done in vaudeville or something like that. And you're just kind of and I, now I appreciate it more than I did then because you realize. You were seeing a wonder there, you know. He was a, he was a he was a whip. Bing Crosby toward the end of his career did a did a performance at the Ambassador Theater in Pasadena, and in that lost his balance and fell into the orchestra pit oh, in, yeah. in the mid middle seventies, you oh, know, really? something like that. His age was funniest ad lib I ever heard in my life is Wally and Fulton are up on stage doing the horseshoe thing. I think Wally hit a bean from the bit and kind of slipped a little bit. Went, not a beat went by. Fulton grabs my and says, careful, bing. <laughs> I, was in a, I was dying. I was dying. It was just a throwaway, and probably three-quarters of the audience didn't even pick up wow. on it. But I was dying. It was that quick. See, that was that was the fun thing. is we, say, yeah. we do so many special programs, and that's when we had tons of fun, because of all the ad-libbing and, and all that. And, but in the review, you were able to add lip. Oh, like, oh yeah, that, oh yeah. That, that's, as long as you kept it clean, yeah. you had to keep it clean. Couldn't be rough. And you had to keep it down to the time limit, you know. But oh yeah, that was what made your day. If you just did the same thing all day every day, you'd go nuts, you know. But we knew that something different was going to happen that day. Something, you know, Fulton was going to crack you up, or maybe rare occasion. You might Fulton. You might crack Fulton. You could get you know. You actually get Fulton. You know, and sometimes you could. Oh, we had a running Fulton. and I had a running battle going as me trying to figure out his age, because he would not tell anybody his age, and I really got into it. And I actually made friends with a secretary in the office. Got to look at his paperwork and found out what it was. And when I came out as Pecos Bill. What I supposed I supposed to come out and say I got the fastest draw in the West. You want to see? I just stood there and I just said the date, you know, <laughs> and and looked at him and he goes he goes wrong because I lied about my age, you know, and I go oh like that and we go on with the show and the audience is sitting here oblivious to what's going on, you know. We had that entertaining for them. Oh, you know, that's, oh, yeah. you're, you're definitely fun. in those days. They always came first. Disney's theory was if you're having fun, they'll have fun. Yeah. And be sure that that you know that you don't. That was a rare occasion where the audience didn't know what was going on, and we still I, we still t tied it in, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we were always just ripping each other to pieces it, and it, having it, a ball. It's a hard frame of reference because as time goes by, Disney, like many large corporations, becomes more and more structured, right? More and more rigid, more and more straitjacketed. Things were when when I started the park. Uh, things were a lot loosey goosey, more fun. Just the main thing was give them a good time. Hmm. And that was character department, that was parades, that was shopkeeping, whoever was working in the park, the cast members out there. Right. The, the rule of the day was give them a good time. Wow. Make them feel like guests, make them feel like family. And that was the focus. I mean, now, really how did you start and get to that, the point? Oh, you did um, the show as well. When I was in, in grade school, my best friend was Craig Fields. His father was Francis Fields, who was the ma manager of mechanic, mechanical maintenance at Disneyland. At that point, I'd never been to Disneyland. Um, so because of that influence, I kept hearing about the park, and Francis Fields would walk through attractions with Walt, and I heard things around the corner that way about Walt Disney. Then in 1966, 
uh, Craig calls me and says, my dad says they're auditioning for the Christmas parade. Do you want to do it? Because we we do. I was in drama and singing and all like they couldn't dance caused Richter problems on the earthquake. <laughs> but um, you're right. <laughs> Tsunami in Japan when I fell once. But anyway, uh, I went down and auditioned for the, the, the... Now, this is this is November of 66. So I get the part. I, I'm going to be Clara Cluck in the Barnyard Unit in Fantasy on Parade for Christmas, which... Well, it was a paying gig. Okay, so... So I got that part. Now, the day that the parade stepped off is the day Walt Disney died. Oh, wow. The day that the parade that we were going to wow. do, the big... And I've written it somewhere on the internet. I've seen it. Where that night, just before the performance started, that in those days we came out the fire station gates right behind his apartment, mm -hmm. go around up Main Street and on out what used to be the Indian Village, out Bear Country. Good grief! That was a long break. <laughs> <laughs> so at any rate, but I was. Yeah, that, oh, that's interesting. Out through there. So not, go that not way. Did, a small world. No, Very different. Did right? not go that way. We're in around in front of the castle. Out through. In fact, we went <laughs> opening night, uh, go into Frontierland, the spot hits, and it was a painted surface on the pavement, hit and reflected into the netting, and I walked right into the flagpole. <laughs> oh, no. In my chicken costume. Wow. wow. <laughs> You're laughing. I was embarrassed. Oh, man. Boy. But anyway, the night before that thing stepped off, for the first time that I could ever recall, we're standing back behind where Walt's apartment was, right before, it, and it started snowing. You could see flakes of snow drifting down. Real snow. Down. Real snow. Wow. And you, they had, you remember those spotlights they had to light up the area back? You could see them drifting. Never hit the ground. Oh. It came down as rain or just melted immediately or mm -hmm. something. We were all looking at each other going, how freaky is this? Yeah. But I mean, it was just snowing, cold. <gasps> but anyway, so I did the Christmas parade, 66. Marvin, remember, you, you remember telling me, though, you told me before that when you went by where the table where Walt was going to sit, oh, the, that the it, was, chair. it was an empty chair. It was an empty chair, yeah. Yeah. Where was that? Because Walt would review the parade. Right see. across, directly oh. across the street from the train station. Okay. In that middle square area. Mm -hmm. He'd sit and face the train station. Apparently this was traditionally... Really? Yeah, mm -hmm. and then they had... Well, there's actually two empty chairs there, Walt and Lily's. Wow. But... <clears throat> and it snowed. That's really something. See, I, I'd grown up adoring Walt Disney. I mean, he was like yeah. my hero. And it's weird how he kept interlacing through my life. Mm -hmm. um, so I did that. Then Marvin Marker at that time was somehow affiliated with the Care Department Entertainment. He, he founded the Long Beach Junior Concert Band. He helped stage the Christmas parades in those days, yada, yada, yada. Alex Goldstab was his protege. Hmm. So I'm, I got a job by <laughs> uh, working as a hippo. I didn't need a costume. <laughs> at the, uh, at the, the premiere of The Jungle Book at Grumman's Chinese Theater. So that was the next oh, thing wow. I did for us. So I, I've got a postcard somewhere of me in one of those little hippo costumes there for that premiere. So I did the Christmas parade again in 67. Graduated high school, applied for work, hoping to get into entertainment. I had a very colorful career at Disney. I started out as a miscellaneous kitchen helper at the Plaza Pavilion. Uh, became a kitchen helper at the Tiki Room, the, 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 um, Tiki Room, Tishan but the Tishan Terrace. Worked there. Then I went across and became a busman at the employees cafeteria, the in-between. Became a fry cook. Then one day I'm sitting there again, having lunch, and Marvin Marker comes up and says, you know, we have some openings in the characters. Would you like to consider doing that? And I went, sign me up. So, 69, I became a, a Disney character. Hmm. And I did parades, tours, 
Main Street Electrical Parade, I pushed, I helped watch Tinkerbell off the Matterhorn. I mean, the characters got to do all kinds of stuff. Jim... All the dirty work. All the dirty work. <laughs> Jim talks me into trying for the horseshoe sub-position, because Wally, as he said, was sort of fading, and he was doing it more and more. So I did do that. I got into that. Had a blast. Uh, left to go to that Carter thing, the animation studio. They started Jamboree, and I can't remember, I think Marilyn Magnus called me and said, we're looking for a heavy set guy to do a bartender part in this suite. Would you like to audition for that? So I went and auditioned. I got that. When that folded, I went on and I did the Jungle Cruise <laughs> for a while. I did a lot there. Wow. And then finally, finally left. That's, that's in a nutshell, how I got. Wow. But it was very interwoven and I've been places most people don't even know is in that park. I think the characters have now, access to that. To 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 kind of wrap these two together is is I got, like when Wally came back from Florida, I was like his sub. Then I became basically Wally sub, Fulton uh, or Bert Henry sub, then Wally sub. Right. Because Wally came back, and then all those years, and like I was saying, Wally had done it so long he was getting so tired he'd find any reason not to be there. <laughs> so I was basically working more than Wally. You know, there were some people who thought I was Wally Bogue, you know. Oh, really? Uh, and then um, what happened was Supervision kind of got onto this, and they started saying, Wally, you know, we're paying you all this. you got to do the job, you know. And he goes, okay, he says, but Jimmy's not going to hang around for two days a week, you know, we, when his day's off. Yeah. And they said, well, fine, because they paid me so little compared to Wally. They said, find something else for Jimmy to do and, and that'll keep him around, but we want you to be doing the horseshoe, you know, to Wally. And so he came to me and he goes, what can you do? And I says, how about I do a ventriloquist act, you know, for a warm-up for the show. Mm -hmm. Great idea, you know. And he brought in, and maybe you know the name better than I do, he brought in one of the original writers of the Horseshoe Show. And he was this old guy. And Wally and this guy and I sat and worked on this act of a talking dog that looks like a mountain man is holding this dog. It became Clawed Dog. Because he chases cats, and when he catches them, he becomes a clawed dog. But, uh, it's corn, but it's <laughs> Which is a Fulton line. Right. It's a Fulton line. But um, anyway, it, was, it, was, it turned out to be a lot of fun. Come out on stage and do about ten minutes on stage, and then go down in the audience and do all this ad-libbing. All ad-lib. Mm -hmm. So I did that. But the clawed dog all of a sudden got popular. And so what happened was, they said, well, when Jimmy's doing the horseshoe show there's no clawed dog you know and we go well and so they said we need a sub for clawed dog we need to and so don took that over too you know so he was either yeah. doing clawed dog or he was doing the horseshoe or i was doing clawed dog or i was doing the horseshoe this character lasted for golden came in behind me it wound up that i was doing the horseshoe as pecos a lot and they brought Dirk golden in to do the mountain man yeah so i mean this thing just sort of so all of a sudden clawed dog was this thing you know, and I've got some video. It's horrible video. Of oh, it. but I'd love to see that. Oh, I've not seen you perform. In this okay, show. I You're have. Kidding. No, he, he got to the know. point. He was as funny as Wally Bogue right. in a different way. Shh, the recording. The, is. Uh, no, but it's true. <laughs> the the audience would scream. I mean, I was intimidated going on after Wally and then this guy. It was. We hope you've enjoyed this Mouse Clubhouse conversation. Thank you for joining us.